I've been at it again. I've been watching cartoons <laughs> again. Let me go down a little bit. It's really ringing up here. I, uh, I looked through several different videos. Not one of those videos that had real life characters or clips out of a movie. Not any of them put it that simple. Elijah is a, is a prophet in the Old Testament that we're going to look at today. And again, God seems to use these unsuspecting people, unassuming people, that don't have much to quote unquote give to society. Yet God takes their little offerings and he does something unbelievably huge for his kingdom. And when we, when we take these, see you and, I, you and I grade our stuff, don't we? We think, you know what, God? You know how much I make. <laughs> Not much, right? We, we, we argue with God, don't we? It doesn't matter if you make $100,000. If it, it, it doesn't matter because you can always have more stuff than money and you can always spend more than you make. And, but you say, God, I don't, have, I don't have a whole lot. And we grade it and like, man, it's just not much, but you can, you can have. I can't understand why you'd want me to give off of this amount of money, right? I can't imagine why you could, how you could use this. How could you use anything that I have to give? And what I, what I would really like to see is how God does what he does with the people that he has to work with, right? We, man, we're, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to give myself a really good grade as far as good person. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do that. And to find out and to see what God does with, with the people that he has to work with uh, just, is just simply amazing. And this morning is a fourth week at, at Connection, and if you, uh, know what fourth Sunday is at Connection. That's Touch Someone's Life Gift Sunday. Um, and if you have a purple piece of paper, I'm, really, I'm getting really good at that one. Purple piece of paper. You can open it all the way up to the middle. And if you're a first-time visitor with us or you didn't, you didn't bring money for this, you don't worry about this. Uh, it'll explain what this is. And on the very bottom, there's a testimony of somebody that gave the gift away a couple weeks ago. Uh, it'll, really, it'll really bless you, I think, to read that. Um, but if we have the people that are going to take that offering, you guys can come on ahead. And uh, all we're going to do is we ask connection people for their nickels, dimes, quarters, uh, pocket lint, guitar picks, you know, whatever. It's, uh, and, and we take this money and we literally go out to our community. At the end of the service, I'm going to give this bag or bags away. Um, now, the cool thing is this. The cool thing is over the last four years, we've given so many of these bags away that we have now almost accomplished everyone in our church giving one away, and now we get to re- restart again. So at the end of the service, if you haven't done a touch someone's life gift or, any, or something like that, I would love to, I would love to give you the opportunity. Uh, so you be thinking about that as we, as we get into uh, today's sermon. Today's sermon is talking uh, about giving what God requires. Now, you just... If you, if you just gave, you just gave a gift. God didn't, God didn't necessarily require that. I, I've, I've been at churches where they've taken special offerings like that, and I looked in, and I saw what I see today, and I went, oh, <laughs> I have a deer tag. <laughs> okay. To an out-of-state person, it's actually worth a lot of money, but <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> okay, so 
but it, no, there's no numerical cash value of that. So it, it's a gift when you, when you give things. Now, we're going to be in a really cool book uh, in the Old Testament this morning. Now, some of you, if you don't know where this book is or you have your phone and you can get to it quickly, we're going to be in 1 Kings. Now, 1 Kings, you can find it really easy because it's right before 2 Kings. I'm just kidding. But it really is. It's right after First and Second Samuel, and then you get to First and Second Kings. But if you don't know where this is, right in the front part of your Bible, if you have one, or you can look on the screen, we'll have it here. But there's a table of contents, and you can look at that, find out the page number, and flip to it. And we're going to be in First Kings chapter 17. Um, some people, for some reason, are, are embarrassed. Maybe they haven't grown up in church, or they don't know where books of the Bible are. And I have people ask me, they say, what is... What's the easiest way that I, can, that I can find out where those books of the Bible are? And I said, table of contents, or you can buy those little tabs to put on the edge of the book of the Bible. And I've had people that say, well, I would be embarrassed. Really? And I said, you know, anybody that's going to come to me and legitimately want to know where a book of the Bible is, you know what that tells me in my head that they might actually want to read it. I said, I'd be glad to help you. So, But the table of contents, don't feel ashamed. If you're sitting by somebody that has a connection shirt on, uh, look over to them. And if, if they can't help you, they can show you where the table of contents is. Because they've probably looked there before, too. I have. Okay. Um, this morning, we continue on is our sermon series on being a cheerful giver. Man, did anybody eat enough food on Thursday? How many people watched this? This is cool. How many people had more than one Thanksgiving meal? Did you go different places? Isn't that, doesn't that, isn't that difficult on you? <laughs> I asked this morning in 9 o'clock service, I said, how many people ate too much for Thanksgiving? This is literally their reply. Ugh. They're still feeling it. Like we should have taken stock out in Tums or something. Okay? Yeah, we, we man, it's, it's fun. We come go to our family's house or go wherever you went and you bring something in as a dish and, and you give. And other people get to partake of some of that and... But giving what God requires is a little bit different. See, we're going to talk about a guy who is an all-star prophet in the Old Testament. This guy's a huge deal, big deal. His name is Elijah. If you've never heard about him, there are many stories about him. But he is a big, big influential deal. He's literally called in the Old Testament the mouthpiece of God. Now, literally, this is is a huge deal. A, A prophet's job in the Old Testament time was to hear from God. And then he was to voice what God had said to them to the people. No pressure. No pressure on the job, right? Make sure you get it right. So Elijah has this opportunity. He's, he's, a, he's a voice. He's a mouthpiece. But today we, we study in the Cheerful Giver sermon series. What we do is we're going to study at what happened in the very first part of chapter 17. And then what happened in the middle. And some of you may have literally, maybe you've heard about Elijah and the widow and her son and the bread. Maybe you haven't. But maybe you haven't studied what happened actually before that. Why he even talks to this widow. How did he know who she was? When you give what God requires, that's, a, that's the sermon title. When you give what God requires, oftentimes there are steps to this process. Number one, first and foremost, you have to listen to God's direction. You have to understand what he's asking you to do. What he's, you give what he's asking you to give. And you have to follow the steps. We, we are not created to be followers of Christ and to be Frank Sinatra's. You're not created to do it your way. 
Actually, if you look deep into the scripture, you don't have to look that deep. But it says, when you become a follower of Christ, your old self dies, and you're literally, that's, why, that's how they got the word Christians, is that it literally means little Christs. You're literally a little Jesus, I'm throwing stuff, you're a little Jesus running around this world. Wow, no pressure on us, right? <laughs> giving financially, giving of our time. What does God require us to give? Well, many people would answer this question. Well, Matt, you talked about that last week. God desires us to give 10% of what we make. Now, some of you are sitting in your chair. You've never been around somebody that studied giving or offerings in the Bible, and you're going, holy smoke, that's a lot of money. Oh, man, I could never give that. This is a crazy math problem. You ready? We give our kids, if they do chores, we have a, they get money for certain jobs. But if they do something really big, it's worth like a dollar. Okay, we don't have very many of these jobs because me and Mary don't want to go broke doing this. But, but, but we give them, if they, if they do something that earns them a dollar, we'll give them ten dimes on purpose, completely on purpose. Because we show them this is the money that we want them to try to save, put in their piggy bank. First of all, this is the money they give to God, so one dime. And maybe two dimes they save. Man, they got 70 cents, Right? Now, to a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, and I understand 70 cents can't buy you that much, but I'm telling you, it's a big deal to them. It's like two-thirds of a candy bar, okay? <laughs> so they, they can do this. But here's what's difficult for us. You and I are adults, or maybe you're, you're growing up into adulthood, and, you, and you're understanding about what God requires of you. Now, watch this. I ask my girls for a dime out of their dollar. No big deal at all. They don't even think about it. Sure. But when we have to write a check of 10 out of 100, or 50 out of 500, you realize it's the same percentage, right? It's still the, it's still the dimes. See, but sometimes it, it's, like, it's like us us adults have really a hard time with that math. You know, this doesn't feel the same as the dime. But Jesus himself says, if you're faithful in the small things, you'll be faithful with the big things, right? Why do we give God? Well, so God can give back to us. No, that's wrong. We give to God because he asks us to. He commands us to. What do you think the most valuable thing is you can give today? Gold? Man, what is it? It's over $1,000 an ounce still, I think. Silver? Silver's not worth very much, but it's still worth value. I think the number one thing that you can possibly give someone today, someone else, is your time. Because you can't get it back. You literally can't. You pick today to come to church. Till about 10 after 12, we're going to be right here. You're going to give connection an hour, hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes. You're going to give the time away. Why? So that hopefully you can leave here and you can help someone else. This is what Elijah did. Elijah was a prophet, but Elijah chose to give literally his life away. And he gave to influence other people for God's kingdom. But it's really difficult for us to give time. It's really difficult for us to give financially. And this is, a, this is an overall statement. I didn't make it up, but it's absolutely true. If any church in the entire world, its members gave what God required of them, there would be no need for anything those churches would meet would have all of their needs met and i'm talking necessity okay water power stuff like that if they if they had a need for that but sometimes those needs aren't met 
So how do we know what God requires us to give? Man. Elijah, Elijah is a really, thank you very much. Elijah is a really cool Old Testament character because, oh, let's see. If you read certain stories about Elijah, he's literally like an Old Testament Peter. And Peter was a disciple that, that many of us can relate to. He was very, very quick to speak without thinking. Anybody ever done that? No? No one? Okay. So Elijah, but Elijah was just firm and solid because he listened to God's commands and he voiced what God told him. Very brave, very, very courageous. Let's look at your worship handout. Look at the very first blank. If you want to take some notes, we're going to fill in some blanks. Now look at it. Now some of you are what we call blank detectives. So some of you, I've literally seen, like before a 9 o'clock service, I've literally looked at some people's worship handout, and they have some of them already filled out before they come into church. I have no idea. There's like three people on earth that even know what these blanks are before church, but they, they try to figure them out. It's okay if you do that, but this one's probably pretty easy. Is giving what God requires always easy? Maybe you got this one. Now ask yourself that question. Is giving what God requires always easy? Is it? Giving the dime out of the dollar when you're six? No problem, right? Giving the 50 out of 500 or the 60 out of 600 or the 30 out of 300. Somehow that math gets a little bit... I would... would, I would contest this. Is giving what God requires always easy? I was taught in school, anytime it says always, it's probably false, right? <laughs> Choose something else. But is, is giving what God requires always easy? The answer is absolutely no. It's not easy. It's not easy to give your time. It's not easy to give up something that you really want to do this. What, whatever God wants you to do. Is, it, is giving what God requires always easy? No, it's not. Then why would God have us do that? Why, 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 does he, why does he pick on us, right? I would contest this. It can be easier more often if your heart is happy. If you are a cheerful giver. Now, remember, we talked about those kids. We had, we had, we had a couple that have, has been giving their offering. Now, we have an offering box in the back. But we have some people that literally have been giving their, their money to their kids, and they're just watching, because I guess they didn't believe me. Okay? They give their little their check or whatever, and they want their kids to put it in there. Those kids run over there to that box, and they go, yes! And they, like, run away. Yeah, they're so happy. They're so happy to give it. When's the last time, literally, when's the last time that God has required you, ask you, you understand that God is on his own good humor and in actually involving you in the Great Commission, right? You're on his good humor. Anything that you have is a blessing from him, and you get to. You don't have to. And I know some of us have been off for a little while, and tomorrow signifies a work day, or maybe it's tonight, and you're like, oh, i got to go to work. You actually get to, really, for real. You get to. But God says, I'm, I'm requiring this. I, I want you to give. Is it always easy? No. More often than not, I think that our giving would be so much better, so, so more, much more fluid, so universally easy for us if it depended on that we were being cheerful when we gave. Are we happy? Man, 
are, what's the condition of your heart when you give? That's a huge deal. Do you have to give? Because, well, God said give 10%. I was like, okay. Okay. He literally does. Okay. But do you do, oh, golly, there's 10%. You know it's not very much. You know what I do for a living. But then to see what God does with that money. Because you're a piece of a puzzle called the church, not connection church, the church, the capital T, capital C, the church. Anybody that proclaims Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's a relationship with him to earn heaven. We're on the same team. And I'll share with you some things about about what, what your giving has actually done that you may not have even known about. It blessed me beyond words. But is giving what God requires always easy? Of course not. Look at the next blank on your handout. Look at this. Is giving what God requires always worth it? Ah, I knew he was coming with that angle, right? I knew he was going there. Is it always easy? No. Is it always worth it? You tell me. I would, listen, giving what God requires is not always easy, but it is always worth it. Because God is the dollar stretcher. God is the God that doesn't make sense on paper when we're talking about finances. God is the God that rewards the people that give. Now, listen, if you, if you listen to TV and, you, and they say, man, you, you, you send me a check for 10 bucks and we'll send you a check for 100 or your God's going to give you. Listen, this is not biblically accurate. Okay, it's just not. But what I, what I have seen in my own life, what I've seen with other people's life is sometimes the people that give correctly and they give what God requires often will reply this. Yeah, I gave, but I feel like God has given me back so much more than I gave. How does he do that? I don't know. It's God math. <laughs> yeah, they don't teach that in school because no one understands it because it's God's. But is giving what God requires always worth it? You realize that when you give to God, you're investing in something that's a lot bigger than you. We're not investing in anything on Wall Street. We're not investing in our 401k. You're literally investing in God's kingdom which is eternal, by the way, which will never cease to exist. In connection, we're a Baptist church, okay? And we, we align ourselves with the Southern Baptist Convention, the Illinois Baptist State Association, and the North American Mission Board. Next month, uh, we're going to be giving an offering to Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It goes to help missionaries. Now listen, watch this. The money that Connection gets for missions, that, that, we, that we have given to our church to support missions, we send that to the North American Mission Board, and the International Mission Board for Overseas Missions, okay? So the North American Mission Board operates in, this is really shocking, North America, okay? Home missionaries, what they used to be called. So Texas, a month ago, has a shooting at the, at the Southern Baptist Church, right? 26 victims, 26. What a horrible, horrible tragedy. Now watch this. If you have given a cent, a dollar, a tent, whatever you have given to an offering here that supports the North American Mission Board, now watch this. That money has went into the North American Mission Board Fund, and all 26 of those victims' funerals was completely paid for by money that was given to the North American Mission Board. Not one single cent came out of the, parent, out of the family's money budget for that. That's significant. Okay, that's giving what God requires. Listen, giving to missions is literally, biblically, over a 10%. It's a gift. So God takes that money and says, watch this. 
You don't think those people were blessed? The, their families? Are you kidding? If you've had to deal with a funeral, you understand the expenses of this. All 26 of them were taken care of. I was very, very proud to know that Connection and our, and our, our, our denomination is involved with meeting the needs of people like that. But it all comes from people that give. How about this? If you have your Bibles, 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 1. Okay, now watch, watch this. There's some really cool names in here. If you're, if you're expecting a child or maybe a grandchild, there's some really cool names like Tishba. Hey, Tishba. I mean, you know, have your kid. In other, in other translation, it calls Elijah. He, he, he's called the Tishbite because he's from Tish. Okay, but in verse 1 of 17, 1 Kings says this. Now Elijah, who is from Tishba in Gilead, told King Ahab. What do we find out about Elijah right here? First of all, he has complete and total massive amounts of guts and courage because he told the king. You don't tell the king anything. All right. In this, in this day and age, you do not tell the king anything other than what the king wants to hear. Why? Because he literally can play like Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland's Queen of Hearts and it's off with your head, period. Done. You just, you cease to exist, you're dead. So Elijah, who's from Tish in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, now watch this, the God I serve. There will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, time out. A little bit of background. If you're naming your kids, pets, dogs, anything, Ahab is not a good name. Ahab is not a good man. Okay, He's a horrible king. He's very, very mean. In fact, because Elijah told him that there wasn't going to be any dew or rain, and there was going to be an ultimate drought in this land, Ahab started hunting. See, we, we take a lot of things for granted. When's the last time that you got made fun of, maybe, for sharing your faith? Or you, you, got, uh, you got somebody, somebody made fun of, well, I guess we shouldn't. I get this all the time. Oh, well, I'll tell you later. And two people are talking, and I come up, and they'll say, I'll tell you later. And maybe telling a joke or something. Not here, okay? But I get, well, um, you know, the preacher doesn't need to hear that joke. And I get, I get classified. I grew up as a preacher's kid and a grandson of a preacher and grandson of a deacon. And if you ever, if you understand my world, then you understand what it's like to grow up underneath a microscope on high power. <laughs> okay? Everything that I did was not good enough. And, oh, I can't believe they did that. That's the pastor's kids. Right? Anything my, my sister and I could look the wrong direction. Oh, that's the pastor's kids. And they're Satan. Okay? <laughs> Literally. They, they just, it, it, you don't understand but we get made fun of and we think it's the end of the world for getting made fun of for our faith. Listen, when's the last time that you were physically hunted? Okay, about the same as me, never, right? As surely, so, so Elijah comes to King Ahab and he says, listen, dude, there's not going to be any rain because Elijah comes up to me and says, the God I serve has said, not because Ahab believed in another God that they thought made the rain. So Elijah says, okay. The God I serve, he said there will be no rain. So we're going to find out who's more powerful. Look in the next verse. Look at verse 2. Then the Lord said to Elijah, okay, if you underline in your Bibles, look at this. Then the Lord said to Elijah, are you walking close enough in your relationship to God that God still speaks to you? Are you listening? Okay, there's specific instructions here that you don't want to miss. Then the Lord said to Elijah, the only way that Elijah knows that God's talking is that he's close enough to listen. 
He goes on to verse 3. Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Now, this is pretty cool. This is specific instructions. If you're maybe more mature in your faith, you've been a follower of Christ for a long time, has God ever told you something really crazy specific? You want me to go, what? I'm supposed to talk to who? This one time in 2007, God told me and my wife, you're going to go hang out with these weird people at this church called Connection. And I went, oh boy. And they're still here. Specific instructions. God tells you to pray for certain things. He tells you to pray specifically for certain people. Here, God gives instructions to Elijah that are exact. And, he, and what we find out and through this story, Elijah knows how to follow instructions. And when you are following God's instructions, you know that you can't miss it. You can't miss what God has for you if you, if you continue to follow his instructions. Look at this. So go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, okay? Literally a labyrinth of, of rocks and mazes, and you can hide. This is, it's the world's greatest hide-and-go-seek place, okay? It's, it's absolutely useless. There's no farming that goes on there, but they have the Jordan River, okay? Near where it enters the Jordan River. And in verse 4, it gives him the instructions of how he's going to survive. Drink from the brook. Okay, sweet. We have water, right? We need water, food, and we need shelter. He already has shelter, okay? He says, drink from the brook. Okay, got it. Keep in mind, their brooks were probably in a lot better shape than our rivers here. Okay, don't go drink cups of water in the river here. Okay, so drink from the brook and eat what the, oh, what in the world? Has anybody ever seen a raven really close? And some of you are having flashbacks to high school poetry class, thinking about Edgar Allan Poe, okay, and the raven and all this stuff. Listen, ravens in, in, I've been to Canada several times, and ravens are not crows, and they're not starlings, they're not wimpy starlings, starlings are wimpy. He goes like starlings, blackbirds, then they get the <laughs> Then it goes a little bit farther, they get the crows, and ah, ah, those guys. Then you get the crazy people. They're the ravens. These things are like this big, okay? They're carrying small objects wherever they want to. They're highly intelligent. But in biblical standards, they are completely and totally unclean. Now, why is that important? That God uses things that we don't see as useful to be useful for him. Drink from the brook. Okay, Elijah, I want you to drink from the brook. Eat what the ravens bring you. I'm sorry, what? Can you imagine hearing this if you're Elijah? I'm going to get my food from what? Are they going to bring me Lunchables? They, they get physically going to, are the ravens going to, you know, with their wings and chop, chop, chop? What are they going to do? Are they going to steal food from somebody's cooking ribeyes on the grill and bring me some? I don't know. But look what it says. He bring you meat. He's going to bring you food. And then, uh, see, what the ravens bring you. So, he has everything he is going to need. Does he have everything he possibly would want? No. No. You know what he always has that's not even recorded in scripture here? He always has the back lingering in the back of his mind who's hunting him. Doesn't ever leave. But he has to do what he's supposed to do. So he says, drink from the brook, eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. Okay, seriously, God? I've never seen it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine here? Ah, ah. Oh, here comes food. This is not the ice cream bell on an ice cream truck, okay? This is ra- these are ravens, and they are just... They're just, they're just, ugh, dirty. Look at verse 5. Look at this. So Elijah, you want to underline something in your Bible? You want to copy something Elijah did? Look at this. So Elijah did as the Lord told him. Period. 
I think that we personally miss out on huge blessings because we don't do what God tells us to do. We hear what God wants us to do, and we step off to the side and say, you know what, dude? I got this. You created me, and literally, you're talking. You, you have the arrogance, and I do too sometimes. You have the arrogance to speak against the creator of the universe and think that you know better than he does. Matt, I really want you to do this, or I want you to talk to this person, or I want you to do this, or I want you to blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And I'm like, you know, I know them better than you do. No, you don't. God physically made this person, okay? He knows how they tick. He knows, he knows what they do. But sometimes we look at, say, we say, God, yes, that is what you want me to do. I am not going to do it, though. We act like kids. And I know none of your kids do this. You're, you have better kids than I do. I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. I'll say this. <clears throat> hey, Liddy. Yeah. I like when, when I actually like Odd Squad. If you've seen, I love Odd Squad, actually. It's really sarcastic and humorful. And <laughs> Lydia will be watching, and she, your kids maybe like mine, they watch TV like this. And they don't blink at all, I don't think. But you can, like, literally explode something in the kitchen, and they have no idea. All right, none. So Lydia's watching TV like this. And I say, hey, Lydia, will you go clean your room? You know what she does? She goes, oh, absolutely. Hop straight up, goes to her room. Would you like for me to alphabetize my car or my, my books? Would you like to? Anybody have kids like that? No, you don't. Okay? We have to be reminded, don't we? Sometimes we have to be corrected and reminded. Okay? Hey, the pause button is like the devil in my house. I'm like, pause. <gasps> what happened to the show? It will commence if your room is clean. Okay? It's magic. Okay? So, so Elijah did as the Lord told him, and he camped beside Kareth Brook. Exa- exactly. He went exactly where God said, east of the Jordan. Now, verse 6. I can't imagine this. Look at this. The ravens bring him steak. This is great. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. He had shelter, he had water, and he had food. All of his needs were always met because he was listening to God. Now he goes on. But in verse 7, but after the br- while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. The, 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 the land is still under the curse that God gave Elijah. It's not raining. And it also says that there's no dew. So in the Garden of Eden, the theological people think, because when, it, when Noah had the rain... When, with the great flood, that was probably the first time that it had ever rained, so it used the dew. So that the plants can still grow a little bit if they have the dew, or the brook would still have something if it had dew. But there was nothing, no dew, no rainfall, nothing. Every day, every day, Elijah would go out. And he might put a stick at the edge of the water the, the day before, and he'd go back out. And the brook was drying up a little bit more, and a little bit more. What did this require Elijah to do? He had to trust God every single day. Every single day. Now, you and I know that he's wigging out. <laughs> he knows that there's no rain. And he goes, you know, God, I don't know that you know this. This is funny. We play this game, too. I don't know that you know this, God. But this brook is kind of getting dry. It needs less water. It needs more. Every day. Look at verse, look at verse 8. Look how he goes on. Look at this. Then the Lord said to Elijah, I love this, literally, he scoops his last 
Old Testament Yeti cup of water out of the brook, okay? Okay? I don't know why I said that. Everybody knows what Yetis are, okay? So he got the last Yeti cup of water. He's like, okay, I don't have any water left. And then immediately the Lord said to Elijah, God speaks to Elijah, and Elijah does something that's absolutely insane. You know what he does? Not only does he listen, but he obeys him. If you look back in the Old Testament and you get to see the things that Elijah got to see with his own eyes because he was obedient, it would blow your mind. Keep in mind, this is the same guy, Elijah is, that called fire down from heaven. This is the same guy that has, he never actually suffered a physical death. Okay, this is a guy that saw some serious stuff. All, why? Because I think, I don't think that he missed out on very many blessings. I think that when God said it, he listened and he did it. And we are not good at that. He goes, go and live. Live? What, if, what about this? Well, God says, hey, I want you to go. I want you to live in Fairfield. What, what, but I work. I did it. Never re- every time God says something to us, every time he gives us instructions, there is a reason. Why did God call us to connection? Because I told my dad, I said, Dad, if I, if I go there, um, or if I don't go there, I get to sit under you as my pastor, and it would be awesome, and nobody gets to ever do this again. And, I, and he goes, and he asked me the question that changed my life. He says, what if you don't go to connection? And many of you heard me say this before. I said, Dad, if I don't go to connection, literally, out of my mouth, I didn't even think about it. I said, if I don't go to connection, I will miss the greatest revival of people that I will ever be able to be a part of in the history of my life. It's exactly what I told him, 2007. And I told him that. I said, God is calling me here. And he says, well, you better go. So, he said, so God says to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. I'm sorry, what? Watch this. Watch this question. Ready? Which widow? Look at the scripture. Which one? They have name tags? <laughs> somebody, said, somebody said after first service, this is great. You know how you come to, a, to an airport and somebody's waiting on somebody? Can you imagine a widow holding up a sign, Elijah, at the, at the city gates? Can you imagine that? So he, he's not even given a name. He's given what she is. But that's it. How much do you trust God? To give what's required of you. To give your life. To live as he wants you to do. To give as he wants you to do. Do you have this much trust? I'm sorry. What? How does Elijah even know it's okay to come out of hiding? He's still being hunted. But this is going to be an okay place. And, and I've instructed a widow to help you. Which one? I would have asked this question. Which one? What's her name? Because sometimes we want to go past this a little bit further with God and say, okay, that's cool. Give me some more specific. Th- How about this? Have you ever, ever, ever done this? Show me a sign. That's not what the Bible says faith is. It says faith is the evidence of things unseen. Go and live in the village of Serapath. This is great. Unassuming people. Unassuming. A widow would have not had anything, by the way. Very few jobs even available for a widow to even have money, to even give food or anything to Elijah. But... God says go, and look at verse 10. You want to you really get something today? So he went. 
no arguing. When's the last time that you woke up in the morning or you maybe came home from work and you were met at, at the door by one of your children? Okay? And they did not want anything. Preface that. And they said, I just really wanted to show you how much I loved you and I cleaned my room. A, you check them for temperature. You find out if they did anything wrong at school, right? We, 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 we check. This is, this is, sometimes this can be unusual behavior. It would be unusual at my house, okay? If we ask our girls to do something, most of the time they will do it. Sometimes we have to remind them, but we're normal, okay? I have spent a lot of my life arguing with God where I should go. I spent a lot of my time saying, God, are you really sure? He's God. He can't begin to even make a mistake, yet I argue with him. Are you sure? No, God's like, no, I'm just wasting your time. <laughs> I created the universe, right? You can trust me. So Elijah just goes. I think that there's so many blessings that we can miss out on this earth because we sit and argue. We stand and argue. Wasting our time, wasting God's time. And God says, just go. I just want you to go. Just please go. And that's all he says. Most of the time... 99.999% of the time, God's message to me has not changed. It's my attitude that has to change. I still want you to go. Oh, yeah. And God's like, yeah, if you would have just listened, I don't know, about a year ago, this would have been a lot further. So, he, so Elijah goes to Zarephath. As he arrives at the gates, there's a widow holding up a sign saying, Elijah, no. He says, rise at the gates of the village, and he saw a widow gathering sticks. Now, we are not told that he knows who this is. So I guess he just said, well, I'm going to start with this one. And I'm going to ask every widow in town. This is going to get kind of awkward, right? So he sees the first widow gathering sticks. And he asks her. Now watch this. This is much, much like Jesus talking to the woman at Samaria at the well. It didn't happen. Elijah would have not talked to this person. It just, it just would have been, it would have been considered not, not okay socially. At least he has manners. Look at this. Would you please bring me a little cup of water? Why do you want? Okay, first you want water, and then and now you want it in a cup. Wow. Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? He doesn't even know that. Like he, he doesn't even know this lady. Uh, excuse me. Just go out for lunch after church and just go up to a table where you know zero people and say, hey, can I have a drink of your soda? <laughs> You're getting arrested. You're, it's not okay. So he comes up to her and goes, hey, <laughs> go, go, by their, go by their plate. Go by their plate and say, are you going to eat all that? <laughs> Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? He's very specific to this lady. He doesn't know how she's going to respond, but watch what she does. Look at verse 11. Speaking of following instructions, and she was going to, as she was going to go get it, he called to her. Oh, hey. So Elijah literally did this. Can you bring me a little water in a cup? She just turned immediately. No asking questions. Why? Because God had already spoken to this lady. He said, now listen, I have no idea what he told her. There's going to be this dude. He's going to look really weird. His name Elijah. He's a prophet. Big deal. He's going to come in town. You're going to be picking up sticks. He's going to, excuse me, he's going to ask you for some water. Why did Elijah want water? This is a really tricky question. You ready? He's thirsty. 
It's a drought. He has no water. His Yeti's empty. So he goes, and, he, and she turns, and she says, okay. And he goes, see, the rule is in our house, if you're up, sometimes if you're already up, sometimes that person gets asked more of them because they're already up, right? And I don't know how that worked with you. Maybe that's been, you know, that's a whole tense argument. But I say, hey, you know, can I have some water since you're up? And some chips. And some salsa. <laughs> See, we do this. So Elijah does the same thing. And he goes, hey, can I have a little bit of water? And she, and she turns. She doesn't argue. She just goes to do it. Why? Because God had spoken to her. She was following God's instructions. And then he says one of the most unbelievable things she could have ever heard at that time right there. Right, right at this moment. He says, hey, bring me a bite of bread, too. Buy a bite of bread. He's talking about a biscuit-ish. And this is, this is, this is a huge deal. Look at what she says. Look at verse 12. We find out a lot about this lady here. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God. First of all, she knows who God is, capital L and capital G. She, she says that he's your God, understanding that Elijah is a prophet of God. And when she says that I swear, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. She's not lying. She's not lying at all. Widow had no way to make money. She's not lying. She's being exceptionally honest. So he says this, and she, she goes on. She says, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, then my son and I will die. Lost her husband, gone. The money-making situation is not there anymore at whatever happened. So Elijah goes to this lady, and he says, hey, can I have some water? Hey, can I have some bread? She goes, dude, I don't have anything. Watch what she really says. My gift to you would be so insignificant, it's not even important. It's exactly what she's telling her. She said, listen, I have this much oil, and I have this much flour. And they would have put it together, and they would have mixed it up. They would have had a great big pan, a metal pan, had holes in it, looked like kind of like a, uh, a wok. And they would put it on a fire, and they would cook the bread up, and they would spin it uh, whenever doneness, and it would get, it would cook on the side, or they would have it actually in a stone oven. But more than likely, she probably cooked it in a little pan over the fire. And we're talking literally. Now, you and I could make a meal off of Red Lobster's biscuits. Has, any, has everybody had those? I mean, everybody likes Jesus, right? Okay, I'm just, just checking. So we're talking, we're talking a piece of bread like this big, literally this big, flat, about that big. She said, I'm just getting ready to cook this meal. Me and my son are going to enjoy this last little piece. And we're going to starve because there is no water. No water equals no grain. No grain equals no flour. No flour equals no bread. That's how it works. But watch what, look at your worship handout. Look at, look at this question. Do you have the faith that it takes to give what's required? She had the faith to go get the water without question. But water was still in limited supply. But then we're going to see what she has. What if, the, what if I rephrase this? Do you have the faith to do what God has given you to do? Oh, Matt, God has asked me to do something that's just so insignificant, it's not even important. Really, I find that very interesting and very biblically incorrect. Because if God asks you to do something, there's a reason that he asks you to do it. Very simply, 
had, I had someone come to me one time and they gave me what they called. They said, I wish I could do more. Listen, the, the value, literally, the value on what they gave me was less than $10. They said, I wish we could give more, but I really feel like God wants me to give this to you. You know, that was about exactly the, the amount of gas that I needed for the next couple of days. Your, your gift is not insignificant. The question is, will you do it? But I don't, I mean, what's cleaning the bathrooms? What's cleaning the bathrooms? It's not much. Some of you went into the bathrooms this morning and they didn't smell. I don't know about you, but that's worth quite a bit to me. (laughs) And I personally know who cleaned them. And I know that they took time to do it. Hey, but you can't undergive. You can cheat God, is what he says in Malachi 3, but you can't undergive God just based on you're giving what he's required and you just don't make as much as someone else. It's not undergiving. So do you have the faith that it takes to give what is required? Fifteen years ago, this coming June, I, will, I was married to my wife, Mary. Fifteen years. She, literally, she needed like a golden stars every day for putting up with me for 15 years. There's people nodding. You understand who I am. Okay. She was not raised in a tithing environment. She was 26 years old, vice president of a bank at 26. She comprehends numbers way better than I do. Okay. But she was raised that she just gave something. She didn't give what God is asking of her. She goes, oh, man, 10% is a lot of our money. I was logging at the time. Mary was the vice president of a bank. Listen, we didn't have any kids. We had a dog named Barkley, and Barkley didn't eat us out of the house at home. Dr. Spano's kind of little. We were doing great. And I said, listen, when you get married, this is what we're going to do. We're going to write this check. I've never given that much money to church. Okay. Well, we're about to. Dude, I'm talking argument. She had never, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that she was a bad person. And it wasn't because she was dumb. It was because she was ignorant. She had never, she she had never, she didn't never experience this she didn't understand what we were supposed to do and I said listen I'll make you a deal I said we're going to give our tithe check and that's the first check that we will write on every pay period once a month twice whatever we're going to do we will write that check first and if we ever do not have everything that we need not want we will never tithe again now some of you are going to go well our pastor is just a superhero no I'm not that good of a person But I told her this, I said, because God promises to take care of us when we do what's required of him. What he asks is we will do it. There has been time. Listen, she's she's good with money. She's good with numbers. And she looks at me and she goes, it's going to be tight, man. I know. Write it. Write it. (laughs) Write the check. God has been beyond good to us. Write it. In, In 14 and a half years we've never not been able to write that check and we've never not had everything that we need god has provided for us i don't tell you that because oh look at matt i tell you that because elijah came in he had experienced the creek drying up he knew that god would provide and now he's coming to this lady and he's literally mentoring in the faith this lady said all you got to do is trust him all you have to do is trust me just trust what god is saying Do you have the faith? Look at the next verse. Look what he does. Look in verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. 
You ever had somebody walk through life with you and literally say, hey, I know that this road looks really scary. My sister had surgery last Monday. And she wouldn't ever want me to make a big deal about this, but it was a pretty serious one, okay? And there were people that I knew that had the same surgery as she had, and they came to her, and you know what they said? I've been where you are. Do you know what kind of a deal that is? Hey, there's this and this and this and this, and then it gets better. Do you like when things happen like this in your life? People come through, listen, Elijah says, listen, don't be afraid. It literally was like two days ago when I took my last Yeti cup of water out of that stream. And I know that God will provide for you. Don't be afraid. Just watch. Watch what God will do. And he goes on. He says, go ahead and do just what you've said. Go ahead and make the bread. But look, but make a little bread for me first. Why me first? Why does he say me first? Because it directly correlates with New Testament on giving God his money first. Malachi 3 says the same thing. Even talking about food or finances, whatever it means, or whatever you're talking about, it's what you give to God. Then use, look at this, give to me first, then use what's left to prepare a meal for your son and yourself. So it takes the biscuit, cuts it in about half, now they divide it a half into a half. So now they have half of what they were going to have. Look at the next verse. But Elijah says this, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Keep in mind that you have to be walking pretty closely to God to hear what he has to say. Elijah does a really good job in, this, in this verses, these verses of scripture. He does a very good job at showing us, giving us an example in 2017 that, listen, this is what the Lord said. Do you understand with what kind of confidence he said this? Lady? What, widow? Whatever he called her? He said, this is what God says. If you do this, this is an if and then verse in scripture. If you follow God, then. If, then. If, then. If you have the faith, then. So he says, look, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Now, whoa, time out. You're talking, uh, empty the flour thing out. Put the lid on it, and the next time we need food, there's going to be flour in it. And the same thing with the oil. This is a miracle. Okay. By the way, God doesn't ever say that he's done doing them either. I've had that happen in my own life. I can, I can do this. The doctor said I would never be able to do that again. Look at the next blank on your worship handout. He's not done with this. When we give what's required, we will always have what we need. Always. You imagine this lady, like in the cartoon, she spills the flower and she looks back. She goes, oh, you know, okay, let's, let's do real life, okay? She makes the bread. She's holding everything that she has, and she gives it to Elijah, and then she makes a little thing of bread for her and her son, and they, and they eat it. Maybe it gets later on in the day, they make supper, right? I mean, they're extravagant menus. They got bread, but they had everything that they needed. She goes, she goes over. Imagine her looking. What would you do? You just look at that pot and go, <laughs> if it's not there, we're going to starve. But Elijah promises is what God has said. She opened up. I mean, it's like watching the light in your refrigerator. You're gonna... <laughs> and she opens it up, and there's flour. And then she opens the jar of oil up, and there's always oil in it. Maybe one day she, gets, she wants to have brunch, and she maybe tries to catch God off 
a little bit because they've already had breakfast. And she goes, well, I wonder if there's for brunch. And she looks in there and there's still flour there. God says, you'll have, you'll have everything that you need. If you give what is asked of you, you will always have everything that you need. I wonder, I wonder this. Do you, do you struggle with it? When we give what's required, we will always have what we need. If I can be the person like Elijah was to this widow, I want to be that for you today. And I want to tell you this. This many times, this many, God has ever let me down. He's not answered prayers like I've, like I've asked them to, but he's never let me down. He's never done anything to hurt me. He's always given me everything that I need. Oh, it's been tight. I've shoveled my neighbor's sidewalks off of snow to buy groceries. That's what people think. Like, oh, you're just, you just live in Disneyland and you get paid. Uh, you have all this money. Listen, I know what it's like to work for necessity needs. I got it. But God gave me a back and a shovel and I could do it. So I did it. Because that's what I feel that God wants us to do. But he says, if you give what's required. You will always have what you need. We're going to give these two bags away. 134 bucks. Uh, 67.40 in each bag. And we are going to start over. So if anybody has not, if you've never given one of these away or you want to give one away, we have two. Who wants to give one away? Come on. Okay. Anyone want to give another one away? All right. Thank you very much. I'm going to pray for these bags. Literally, we're going to, if you, this is your first time seeing this, we're, they're literally going to go out and they're going to give a bag of money away. Wow. <laughs> right? Why, somebody asked me, why do you give money away? Because you need it. <laughs> right? You need it to survive, you need to buy things. Uh, but uh, just pray a blessing over you guys that are going to give them away and pray a blessing over the, over the money that, and, and that it makes an impact for, for God's kingdom. Listen, I just want to tell you thank you. We're on a, on a season full of thankfulness, getting ready to roll into Christmas. Uh, man, never, there, never is there a better time than this season to share God's love with somebody. Ask them to come with you to church. But be, be careful, they might actually come. Statistics show that 7 out of 10 people, that if they were actually asked, would actually go. And we defeat ourselves before we even ask them. We say, oh, they'll never go. Ask them to come. And hang out with the weird people, right? Yeah. <laughs> Popcorn church, right? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today to look into Scripture, to look into the life of Elijah and God, that, that we might model his faith. That when the Scripture says that you told him to do something, that he, he didn't argue, but he just did it. And God, that we can be challenged to give what you're asking us to give of our time, of our money, of, our, of whatever we have, God, but that we can give our part and be the puzzle piece that will further your kingdom. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for these bags, these gifts. Let's pray with the, with the givers and the, and the people that are going to be blessed by these bags. And God, I just thank you that, uh, that you're going to just be made known in their life. And God, we just pray that it meets needs and it blesses these people. And it blesses the people that give them as well. God, help us to have a safe day. Enjoy the sunshine that you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen.